people, welcome to this week's episode of the DIF ABA podcast with me, your host, Dr. Lillian Kerubo, a pediatrician and behavior therapist. This week, we are talking about anxiety or extreme fear in children. Anxiety is extreme worry or extreme fear and unreasonable avoidance of a particular situation animal, person, environment, or activity. Anxiety or fear is a normal human response, and it actually helps to shield us from many dangers such as falls, death, assault, being abused, and like such, such like behaviors. Have you ever been in a situation where you're not sure what's going on, but somehow your body is telling you there's a problem? That could be anxiety. And sometimes anxiety can actually save your life. So it is normal for children to have a little bit of fear. For example, when they meet a stranger, it's normal for children to withdraw and not want to interact with a stranger. If they are taken to a new school, a new environment, if they're taken to a new house, if you move into a new house, if there's a new auntie or a new nanny, it's normal for children to be a little bit scared, to be a little bit worried about this new situation. But when it goes beyond normal, when it starts affecting your school, it starts affecting family relationships, it starts affecting their play with their friends, it starts affecting their health, then it becomes a problem that needs to be addressed. What causes children to have anxiety? Most children with anxiety have a history of either mental, emotional, or behavioral problems in the family. So if you trace back the history, you'll find an auntie, an uncle, a grandparent who had not necessarily anxiety, but had maybe a mood disorder, who had ADHD, who who was in the spectrum. So there is a lot of relationship between other neurodevelopmental emotional, mental, and behavioral illness within the family and resulting in a child that may have anxiety. Some children get anxiety because how the parents modeled behavior when they were stressed. So if the parents, was when they were in a stressful situation, modeled a behavior that is similar to anxiety, the children might pick that up and get the same symptoms when they're in a stressful or difficult situation. Some children get anxiety because of the exposure or their lack of exposure and their lack of education about a situation. For example, in some cultures, you're not supposed to interact with members of a different race or members of a different culture. So therefore, if this child happens to come across such members of of this different race or this different culture, then their immediate reaction will be that of fear because they have been told that, you know, they should not interact with such people or such people are like in a certain type of way. So basically their knowledge or their exposure about a certain situation can lead them to having anxiety. Some medications can give somebody an anxiety attack or an anxiety kind of feel or some experiences can give somebody an, uh, an anxious attack if some if you went through a very horrific situation then you are warranted to have fear about that same situation should it arise some diseases can 
coexist together with anxiety or some diseases can give a child anxiety. For example, a child who is in the spectrum might be very anxious about meeting new friends, about going to the playground to play with other people, about saying hi to people they don't know. So basically, anxiety becomes part and parcel of the initial diagnosis. There are different ways that children can express anxiety. And there are different things that can make children become anxious. One of the things that makes children become anxious are things like phobias. So phobias are extreme fears about specific things. So you'll find a child may be specifically afraid of spiders. A child may be specifically afraid of water, of heights. So the fear is only towards a certain type of thing. Some children have a type of anxiety that is obsessive and compulsive. So they get a lot of interfering thoughts in their brain and these thoughts interrupt their reality and interrupt their process of life. And these thoughts causes them to do some ritualistic behaviors so that they can correct what they perceive to be wrong. For example, a child may be writing or reading or watching something and then a thought comes into their head that their hands are dirty. And that thought persists and cannot allow them to continue reading or writing or watching. So they will wake up, go wash their hands, come back and sit down. Try to watch again and the thought keeps coming back. He'll get up, go wash his hands, come back and the cycle repeats, repeats and repeats. Some children get extreme fear or discomfort following a very traumatizing event. This is what is known as post-traumatic stress disorder. So if a child has either witnessed or has been involved in a very horrific and difficult situation, they will develop fear about anything that reminds them of that same event. Some children have extreme fear for many things and there is no reason or basis for it. So you might find a child is afraid of going to school, for example. The child is afraid of making friends. The child is afraid of, of going to a, a theme park. But if you ask them why did something happen, they have no reason for it. And it really doesn't make sense why they're afraid of it. Some children have an extreme case of separation anxiety. It is normal for children to be scared when their mom leaves their presence or their dad leaves their presence, somebody they are used to. It's normal for children between the ages of six months to one and a half years to have a little bit of fear when somebody they are used to or somebody they are close to leaves their presence. However, in some children, this becomes very aggravated to the extent of a prolonged tantrum that may last more than an hour uh, they might not even calm down until that person returns, so they're not able to attend daycare, they're not able to be left in the care of a nanny, and perhaps they are beyond the age of one and a half years, so that's an extreme case of separation anxiety. Some children have what we call agoraphobia, which is fear of being trapped when they go outside and that they'll never be able to make it back safely home. And so these are children who will not want to leave the house. They will not want to go anywhere except be in the place of comfort, which is usually their home. How can you detect or how can you suspect that your child may be having anxiety? What are the behaviors that we notice? 
when children have anxiety. Remember, children are not like adults, so their symptoms may not necessarily be the same as in adults. So for children, they have persistent avoidance of the triggering event. So for example, if they're afraid of being outside the house, they will refuse to go to school. If they are afraid of their performance in school, they will absolutely refuse, try all means to not go to school. They will absolutely prefer not to go outside to play. They may refuse completely to go to the doctor. They may refuse to touch a particular thing. They may refuse to eat a particular type of food. They may refuse to play with a particular type of toy or a particular color. So that persistence, uh, persistent avoidance, like there's no compromise. They are not doing it. That could be a clue that this child may be having anxiety. Sometimes they have physical symptoms that do not make sense. For example, they may complain of a stomachache for six months. You go to the doctor, they do tests, nothing is picked up. They take medication, there is no improvement. They have a, a lot of fatigue. They have chronic fatigue, yet they've not been working so hard. Sometimes they get headaches that do not make sense. So every time your child keeps getting sick and the sickness doesn't make sense, doesn't follow the natural medical pattern, and the, the, the sickness doesn't seem to respond to treatment, if they have other changes in their behavior and in their mood, always be, be have anxiety at the back of your mind. Some children have difficulty sleeping, so they'll, be, they'll have difficulty establishing sleep and difficulty, difficulty staying asleep. So they'll be awake most of the night. They may have nightmares if they do fall asleep, so they may wake up screaming and breathing heavily and fast. And if you ask them, they tell you they had a bad dream. So for children with OCD, they may have ritualistic behaviors, which are repetitive actions that do not... Uh, make sense, but they somehow believe that if they do not do these ritualistic actions, then something bad is going to happen. So it could be washing hands, it could be chanting, it could be producing some type of sound, it could be touching a specific object every time they pass a particular place, it could be screaming a particular thing every time they they get that thought to do so. Some children reenact the triggering situations. For, so, for example, if a child um, had a very traumatizing event, maybe they were raped when they were a bit younger, if you give them some toys or some dollies, they may end up reenacting that same situation that happened to them some time back. This is a clue that they may be going through post-traumatic stress disorder. For small children who are below the age of four and therefore their speech is not as developed as we would like it to be, anxiety attacks may just appear as crying tantrums or meltdowns. So this is a child who maybe was doing something and then you suggest maybe let's go outside and they start crying, they start having a very long meltdown, a violent tantrum. If it's going to school, they the whole hour, the, the whole time the child is in school is spent crying, is spent whimpering, it's spent throwing things around. That could be a clue that this child may be dealing with anxiety. Physically, they may also be trembling and shaking during the event. In case you do find them in the middle of an anxiety attack, you might see them trembling and shaking. 
it looks like they're feeling cold, yet it's not cold. For some children who are trying to adapt to the demands of life despite the anxiety, they may power through the event that is causing anxiety in them. They may power through however difficult and you may notice that they are uncomfortable. And then when they get home or when they come to a position of comfort, they collapse and start having tantrums. They start having changes in behavior that do not make sense. So sometimes I hear parents asking, how come my child is so well behaved in school? The teacher has no complaint about him in school. But when he comes home, he's all of a sudden crying, clingy, doesn't want to do anything, just wants to sit there and not be bothered. It could be that your child was really trying to keep it together in school because he knows that is required of him in life. And then when he comes home to a position of comfort, he just releases all the tension that he had during school. Sometimes children with anxiety have unrealistic conversations that to dwell on phobias. So you might just be sitting with your child and all the time they just keep talking about spiders and the spider is going to come and eat them and then there'll be nobody left in the world. They will all die. Like this becomes the theme of all their conversations. That could be a clue that your child is dealing with anxiety. So how can we help children who are dealing with anxiety? The first thing is to educate children about fears in a language that they can understand with examples that are appropriate for their age. Talk about anxiety, talk about fears, talk about what is a normal fear and what are the benefits of anxiety and talk about when anxiety becomes a problem, when it starts affecting your education, your family relationships, your friendships, your, if they're teenagers, when it starts affecting their career path or their chosen vocation in life, then that becomes a problem. So educate children about that. Once they know about it, they are more aware of their symptoms, they're more aware of their problems. Parents should know the relationship between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. For example, a child who is afraid of going to school might be thinking that if they go to school, then they will fail in their examinations or in their class um, assessments. So every time they think about going to school, they get a feeling of dread, they get a feeling of discomfort, they get a feeling of fear. And once they get that feeling of fear, then their behavior changes to crying, getting sick, staying in bed longer, not willing to get up, dragging their feet when they should be getting ready for school. Or if they're young, they could throw a tantrum. So as a parent, you should not fall for for these behaviors and you should not allow such behaviors to manipulate you once you have established that indeed this is an anxiety attack and not really a physical problem. You should still allow your children to face their fears. However, if it is very extreme, you can call in for extra help to train your child gradually and slowly to face their fear because facing their fear has better has been more benefits than avoiding your fear. And it has been shown that actually the physical symptoms of anxiety reduce once you start facing your fear. So for example, if your heart rate is 150, your breathing rate maybe is 60, 
you are hyperventilating, you're getting a headache because of the extreme fear that you're facing, once you start going through that situation that is giving you the fear, your heart rate actually drops, your breathing rate drops, your, your hyperventilation stops, and your headaches reduce. This is because you actually realize it's not as bad as you thought it would be. We should give our children coping skills for when they are in difficult or fearful situations. And these coping skills could be things like deep breathing. Um, when you tell a child, uh, you know, breathe in over a period of five seconds, then hold the breath and then breathe out over a period of five seconds. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And this requires practice. You may need to put a book on their belly so that they can see the book rising when they are breathing out. Uh, when they're breathing in and falling when they are breathing out. So this gives them skills to cope when they're in a frightful situation. Thought redirection also helps for them to deal with their fears. So every time they're thinking about something fearful, they can train their mind to think about something else that is calming, maybe a waterfall, maybe their favorite toy or their favorite meal. Sensory blocking also helps to reduce the amount of stimulation they are getting during the frightful situation. So, for example, if a child is afraid of uh, the trampoline, so you can tell them to jump on the trampoline but keep their eyes closed so that they don't get to see the up and down movement. So, therefore, they just focus on the sensation of being lifted and, and being, uh, you know, bouncing up and down. You can expose your child to the frightful situation in a careful and gradual manner. So you, if, for example, if your child is afraid of going to the playpen or to the playground and playing with other children, you can go with your child. Maybe for the first one or two minutes, you go with your child. Of course, the child will start crying. The child will start hyperventilating and screaming. So at this moment, you can remind them about the coping skill that you've already instilled. If it's deep breathing, if it's sensory blocking, or if it's thought redirection, initiate the coping skill for a few minutes and then withdraw the child from the stressful situation and allow them maybe to have a little bit of tantrum or to cry and scream and, you know, let it out. So for the first time, you limit the exposure and increase the response time. And then gradually continue increasing the exposure and reducing the response time. And remember to reward your child every time they actually stay in the frightful situation. And a reward doesn't have to be a gift. It could be a hug, it could be a high five, it could be even the words that I'm proud of you. That's enough to reinforce the behavior that they should be exposed to this so-called frightful situation that is actually beneficial in their lives. For extreme cases of anxiety, you may need professional help. So you may need to see a pediatric psychiatrist or a psychologist where they may uh, decide to prescribe some medication or perform some other therapies such as cognitive behavior therapy, group therapy, um, insight uh, therapy, and many other types of therapies. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Please share this episode with somebody who you think may benefit from it. Remember to follow me on Facebook in a group called Marvelous Disabilities on Instagram at Defaba and on Twitter at MDefabilities. 
till next time thank you very much